Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. My name is Rich Roll. I'm your host, and this is another episode of Ask Me Anything. Thanks so much for tuning in today, for uh, giving us a review on iTunes, for subscribing on iTunes, for checking out my newsletter, and for always using the Amazon banner app at richroll.com. We greatly appreciate it. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a Birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton, Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive, and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food, 
to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. Hey, Julie. Hey, Rich. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you doing? Good. Before we get into the uh, AMA part of this whole thing, a couple other really quick announcements. The first of which is our good buddy, Garth Davis, Dr. Garth Davis Mm -hmm. from Houston, weight loss surgeon. Love Garth. He's been on the podcast twice. His book came out uh, today. We're recording this on Tuesday, October 6th. You're going to hear this on the 7th or the 8th or maybe a couple days after that. Uh, But yeah, you got to check out his new book. It's called Proteinaholic, How Our Obsession with Meat is Killing Us and What We Can Do About It. Uh, I love this guy. I love his message. um, And I strongly encourage all of you guys to go and check out his book, which actually uh, our friend uh, Howard was a co-writer on. So cool. Howard Jacobson. Yeah, Howard Jacobson. Awesome. And you can find out finally where you'll get enough protein exactly. on a vegan diet. I know. But and ba- how you can be a compassionate person as well. But basically his his whole message is kind of what I've been preaching it, you know, lately more and more is that, you know, we're on this kick of like high protein diets and people are using protein for weight control, either to gain or lose pounds and um, you know, this idea that others believe that it gives them more energy. It's essential for a longer, healthier life. And, you know, Garth did like this unbelievable amount of research to kind of delve into, you know, what exactly is going on with protein in our body and in our diet. And uh, the results and the answers that he uh, kind of delivers in this book is pretty um, conclusively that, <laughs> that, you know, too much protein is actually making us sick sick fat not a good thing and and most of us are eating too much protein so anyway check out the book Uh, i just wanted to make sure i wanted to make sure you guys are aware of that and the other thing is um we're getting a lot of emails and and inquiries about what our schedule is going to be in frankfurt julie and i are leaving this upcoming sunday uh to go to germany we're going to be attending the frankfurt book fair uh when we're there um, and a lot of people have been reaching out and uh, and wanting to know how they can connect with us when we're when we're there. And the answer is, I have these notes right here. Hold we have a, a website, first of all, richroll.de. Yes, yeah, so, has all the events. So yeah, first of all, I mean, the reason that we're 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 going to to Frank to the Frankfurt Book Fair is because the Plant Power Way is coming out in a German language edition pretty soon uh, by the same publisher that put out Finding Ultra in German language edition. So we're kind of going there to promote the book. Uh, and this event, this book fair, is a gigantic international you know, kind of affair. Uh, it's on Friday, October 16th, but it's only open to journalists and bloggers and other kind of professional publishers. Uh, people in the publishing business. 
Uh, so it's not open for anybody who's just listening who wants to come by and try to meet us. But the good news is is that on the 18th, uh, which is Sunday at 3.30 in the afternoon, Julie and I are mostly Julie is going to be doing a 30-minute uh, a cooking demo at an event called the Heldenmarkt. Uh, that's it? They're giving me 30 minutes? I think yeah, I have to make like five recipes in 30 minutes. Oh, really? So it'll be a speed, a speed feed as well. <laughs> right. So... I don't know how that's going to work. We should probably quickly. That out. But, It'll it, work but fast. anyway, so that would be the place to try to connect with us. Uh, I think we're probably going to be signing books and just kind of hanging around and, and making ourselves available to whoever wants to come up and say hi. Um, and it's uh, it's it's like this fair for sustainable living. And I get I think I get like five or eight thousand people that that attend. It's only seven euros to get into it. So that's the deal. There's information about it at richroll.de. If you speak German, you can find out more information there. And uh, that's the scoop. Um, other than that, our obligation. I think we have like we're kind of booked with a lot of different stuff that we have to do. Like some people are emailing, hey, I want to take you out to dinner. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't. We can't really do that. But uh, we love to meet you and, and say hi. So if you can come to the Heldenmacht, <laughs> Helden, however you say that. They said some uh, a listener said last time that you actually pronounced it perfectly last I did. time. Yes. Heldenmacht. Very good, honey. So no, I don't know if is. that's good or not, but all right. So how are you, Julie? I'm well. I'm uh, happy to be home from D.C. We had an amazing uh, trip out to the uh, D.C. Veg Fest 2015. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just got back last night, but it was a really, really amazing experience. And I have to say, I was quite surprised because when we left, we were flying into a Cat 4 hurricane uh, warning. And uh, Rich was pretty sure that that none of that was actually going to transpire because well, he hit, grew up in there. It hit South Carolina pretty, pretty, you know, in a pretty devastating way. Well, that's not good. Yeah. So, you know, thoughts and prayers and, and, you know, hearts and minds all go out to anybody who is caught up in that. That's, you know, looked like quite terrible. Um, but yeah, we did have a moment of thinking like maybe we shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it seemed like, uh, you know, the event was on and my parents lived there. It was an opportunity to bring our girls and have them, you know, connect with their grandparents. So, I was like, you know, we're going. You were like, I don't. Are you sure? We had we had a little mini conference at like four a.m. as we were getting ready to leave for the airport. I also I also wasn't feeling very well at all. So, but anyway, we went. I'm really glad that we did. The event ended up happening. Uh, It was raining and cold, and so many people came out to support us and see us and. It was really, really meaningful and uh, just really wonderful to meet everybody. So many podcast fans, so many people who own the Plant Power Way, who have been cooking out of it. And uh, I just, I love the diversity. I love the complete individuality of our listeners and of, you know, humanity at large. But we we really seem to tap into quite a diverse uh, population. And it's just, it's always so meaningful to meet everyone and hear, you know, your stories of transformation and, you know, how you've benefited or how you've, um, you know, expanded your life by connecting with Rich's podcast and also our books and our messages and my music. And uh, it was just, it was really, really a love fest. And we stayed out there and we met everyone in a very long line for 
a, a long time. Yeah, it we was were freezing. Cold. I mean, it was freezing cold for you know early October in DC and raining, and you know just not exactly a, a hospitable environment for an outdoor veg fest. No, it was outdoors near the near the ballpark. They had tents up, but it was you know it, it was amazing actually how many people still showed up despite you know inclement weather. And we had, I don't know, 350, 400 people, you know, mm-hmm. who were in attendance to see us present. We went up right after uh, our good buddy, David Carter, the 300-pound vegan. It was great to see him. And then Gene Bauer, uh, our friend from Farm Sanctuary, went on right after us, both podcast guests. So it was really great to kind of, like, mm-hmm. see them. And, and it's just cool when you go to these events. They're like, oh, yeah, he was on the pod. Like, we're all, it's a community. You know what I mean? And then after our event, we really did, you know, hung or, hang around and, and talk to people for hours and hours afterwards. So it was meaningful. And I got to rock my new Bonobos you uh, did. golf pants. And they were quite a hit, I have to <laughs> yeah, say. So. People really like them. And anyway, they seem to be sort of waterproof-ish, that right? Was gr- they, wick, is, they wick They wick? Well. Is that a yeah. characteristic of golf pants? I don't know. I wouldn't really? know. Really? Because you're that, such a golfer. That would imply that I've played golf before. Do so. they make them like water <laughs> resistant so you can like lie down in the dewy grass on the green is I, that the I'm reason the, i'm getting the impression do, is that what golf players would do? somebody let us know somebody somebody right golf is that what you do you lay down in the dewy grass i don't know i don't, I don't know why so. else they wouldn't be waterproof <laughs> <laughs> i don't know anyway you could though well, they'd be they, great pants like, for a picnic but they're stretchy you know? <laughs> oh, they so, are. Yeah. they're pretty cool i actually like them on you they anyway. look good people like them so, yeah, so that was great. And, and it's funny because I posted a couple Instagram pictures or just on Facebook, and there were a bunch of comments saying, um, taking a tip from our last Ask Me Anything last week uh, about this experiment in practicing gratitude that I was going to be embarking upon. And if you haven't listened to that episode, maybe dial that up. But basically uh, what came up was that I had heard an interview with uh, the film producer Brian Grazer, and, and he was being asked a question about you know, why he thought uh, he was able to maintain his level of success, or I can't remember exactly what the question was, but essentially his answer was that he thought it was because he was really good at gratitude. And that like, that like hit me. I was like, wow, that's an interesting answer. Like, he's really good at gratitude. I was like, I want to be good at gratitude. And so we had a conversation about that. And so Julie challenged me to practice a few habits during our travel excursion to Washington, D.C. to see if I could, you know, increase the volume on my my gratitude quotient because gratitude is not a default setting for me. It's something that I have to, like, work at. And so I was like, yeah, well, I'm going to focus on that because I think it would be quite amazing and transformative if I just focused on one thing. Like, I'm going to get really good at gratitude and, like, see what happens. I bet it would be, like wild right so i did like so how did i do you did actually pretty well (laughs) it was kind of amazing um well i wasn't feeling well so i kind of made this deal with you that if i did go to washington that you needed to sort of be shifting your focus in service of me and you needed to be cheerful and pleasant because i couldn't handle anymore you have to set the stage for what i'm usually like uh what he's usually like (laughs) is very resentful (laughs) somebody one of the girls asked daddy what do you or something like daddy what are you resentful for and i and he says everything and i say (laughs) anything at the same time so it's kind of anything and everything actually i get grumpy i get grumpy with travel i get frustrated with like long lines and like sort of um service people that are gatekeepers that prevent you from you know get accessing your 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 goal and your so goal inevitably target. you so always get, get shut so down get, yeah because you know people like you security it. lines or, or checking your bags all that kind of stuff so it, it just grinds me down and i usually 
get, you know, and it's, it's bad because I don't want to be like that. And I realize like, that's not a good mindset to be. It's just, it's a lazy default mindset that I've known for a long time. Like I really need to like work on this. So I did, I made a very conscious effort. Like I'm going to have a different experience. I'm traveling with my wife and our daughters. My wife doesn't feel well. How can I uh, approach this differently and see if I can have a different experience so that everybody could have a different experience? And everybody did have a very yeah. different experience. I didn't do it. Per- I had a couple lapses. You had one lapse <laughs> in, the, in yeah. the airplane when there was no space above your seat <laughs> well, for your backpack. Yeah, the thing that drives me crazy is you get to, we were sitting in the very last row of the plane, first of all. And, you know, and, and basically the overhead bins going up like nine rows forward from there were all completely full. And not that many people had gotten on the plane yet. I was like, how does that work? Like, how does that make sense? It should be that you're, you're, you, you could put your bags above your seat, but you can't just choose anywhere to put your bag. Like, I'm like, there's nowhere for me to put my stuff. So I had a little, mo- I had a momentary relapse and i kind of like caught myself pulled it together (laughs) and then but it was okay because you got to recalibrate it was good what you didn't take into account is that we were flying on virgin and you know they they're into fashion on the airline so i'm sure that their flight attendants have much bigger suitcases than on any other airline no i'm kidding yeah the thing is like i would much rather like dispense with the purple mood lighting if i could just have like space above my seat to put my bag no 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 we don't want that no i want the mood lighting you want like the mood lighting makes a big difference music in the bathroom (laughs) and the purple light right it's all about the purple lighting no but you corrected which was great and um and actually, you you proved uh, the pa- that the power of gratitude is accessible, and that it is a choice, and that it is it is simply a choice of perspective of how you choose to meet something. And the truth of the matter is that uh, your emotions are not in, cro- in control of you, the higher self. You are in control of your emotions. But until yesterday, you were of the belief system that your default setting is resentment. And so in a way, your ego had given yourself permission to kick around in that dirt and had sort of convinced yourself that that is how you are. But Well, I would say, in honesty, you know, I think that it is, it is my default in the sense that if I take my foot off the gas or I'm not, like, focused or attentive to my mental state, that I will just lazily lapse into, uh, you know, a mindset of, you know, resentment. Like that will be where I will naturally gravitate. You know, it's sort of like that state of the, like, uh, you know, irritable, discontent, tired, you know, hungry, it's halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, uh, irritable, you know, all those sorts of moods are what happens when I'm not like really vigilant or attentive to taking care of myself. Is that like an AA acronym? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Right, halt? <laughs> yeah. Should I just use That's that? should be like halt. Should I just tell you halt? <laughs> How come I'm just learning about this? I, this I could know. have been helpful like, in past situations. Because I'm always hungry, I'm always angry, I'm always lonely, and I'm always tired. So yeah, what do we do true. with that? What do we do with that? I know, obviously, I need to double down on That's my That's so funny. Program. No, but you, you proved, okay, so, but you're describing basically allowing yourself to be ruled by your emotions or by your state. And, you know, you've spoken also a lot about acting as if or stepping into a different, you know, experience. And so you used your will, you applied a certain intent, and you shifted your experience very viscerally and very physically. And it was felt not only by you, but it was felt by all of us and surely the people that you came into contact with. And it was kind of hilarious because by the end of the trip, 
I had nicknamed you the Happy Traveler. <laughs> I, know, I know. Now I'm the Happy Traveler. Hey, how's it going? This is awesome. You know, it's like that act as if thing. So, you know, when, what we talked about last week was, you know, after I said, you know, that's awesome. I'd love to get good at gratitude. How do I do that? Well, you know, it's a practice. You know, you have to practice acting as if. Like, why don't you just try, uh, you know, throughout this experience of, of traveling to and from Washington to, you know, look each person in the eye that you have to engage and be present with them and, and try to be, you know, thankful and gracious and you just tiny little things that add up. And so I really did, like, I made an effort. I was like, you know, I'm really annoyed, but I'm going to, like, be present. I'm going to, like, treat this person like a, you know, with compassion and, you know, an added level of compassion that wouldn't naturally just come naturally to me. And it was, it was effective, you know, it worked and it made my experience better and it made your experience better. It made the experience of my daughters better. And it certainly was, you know, a more positive experience for the, the, you know, the gatekeepers that I'm constantly sort of, you know, doing battle with traditionally. Um, And now I feel like, there's a momentum behind it. Like, oh, okay, now I have like some energy behind that. So it makes it easier to kind of self-propel through that. Like, okay, I can continue to do this. And I think a big part of it also is, you know, it's not like, hey, put on a fake, happy, smiley face. I mean, part of it, part of acting as if is to like say, you know, for me, it's like, if I'm not feeling that way, I was like, what would a normal human being do in this circumstance? <laughs> you know, like, You're like what would a rational plane. person do? You know, like trying to imagine, like, you know, and, and just doing that instead of what I feel like doing. Um, but a lot, I think what comes with that is a, a conscious awareness of trying to remain neutral, especially in scenarios where, you know, things aren't going the way that you would like them to go or they're not happening as quickly enough or, you know, whether it's like somebody cuts you off in line or, or in the car or, you know, whatever it is, little stuff that like tends to aggravate at least me. Um, cultivating a habit and a practice of like not being ruffled by that. Like you're always talking about the Jedi mind state, you know, like Mm -hmm. not being rattled by stupid little stuff. And that's a practice as well. And it it requires you being like dialed in mentally to like be aware when things are happening. So you're not impulsively just reacting. Well, and so you're, you're sort of the, you're the guardian of your thoughts. You're the guardian of your emotions. And when we start to understand that we're not our thoughts and we're not our emotions, if you think you are, you're in illusion. So you're being run by those things. So thoughts and emotions are, are, they can be shifted. So you can take the driver's seat and, and uh, intend or vision or, or desire a certain experience and you can act as if into that and start mm-hmm. to cultivate that kind of energy around you. And it was, it was really miraculous. And I, I have to just tell you, I mean, I've been teasing you along the way. And we, we actually had a really fun trip and a lot of laughing and just we had fun with it. Um, and you had one one kind of relapse, but it was pretty short. And you did remarkably well. Like, and you stayed on task, actually, through the entire trip, not only on the airplane, but also through the event and in the evenings and back on the plane and really until we got home last night. So... It was really, really cool to see. I was really super grateful. I'm very grateful that you had this awareness and that you had a desire to, you know, endeavor to shift your state and experience something a little lighter and brighter and just more expanded. Now, we'll, now we're going to really put it to the test, though, when we get on a plane and have to fly 12 hours <laughs> to Europe across, you know, however many time zones. It's yeah. going to be a little bit more challenging, but... 
and the pressure is on. To I believe in you. I, I believe I in you. I think you can do it. I think you demonstrate an amazing. I think again, it's like this. You know, this is a huge key, um, co- you know, theme for me in life, and that is that. It's all about perspective. Life is all about perspective. That's why you can take two individuals that had the same thing happen to them and they perceive it two different ways. Mm -hmm. So it's simply a choice. You know, it's a choice of, you know, where do you want to put your energy and what do you want to have the power over you? And how much responsibility are you willing to take? I mean, really. But I also think that that choice, uh, that you make in that moment is influenced by choices that you make leading up to that moment, right? Like how much sleep did you get? What did you, you know, eat for breakfast? All these things are going to inform how you're going to react in that moment when you're you get activated in a certain way. And this came up, um, you know, one of the other things in addition to to presenting at the VegFest in Washington was I did a podcast interview with. Um, Dr. Robin Schutkan, who is a Schutkan, Schutkan. Love Robin. She's amazing. She's, it's just beautiful, incredible, um, uh, medical doctor, uh, you know, Yale undergrad, Columbia medical school. And she was shortlisted to be, uh, surgeon general under Mm -hmm. Obama. Like she's just very accomplished and cool. And her specialty is the microbiome and she's written two books on it. She's written a book called Gutless and her most recent book is called the microbiome solution. And we were talking about you know, that thing that I always talk about, which is how uh, your cravings are influenced by the nature of your, your gut flora. Right. And she takes it like many steps beyond that. She's like your level of anxiety, like the stress that you experience, like all these, the, the thoughts that you entertain, the behaviors that you manifest, so much of who you are mm-hmm. is dictated by uh, that gut ecology, the quality of that gut ecology, which right. is crazy because then it brings up this whole idea of free will. Who are it's you? It's like, who are you? Like, if you're like, you know, I crave this food or I want to do this or you're you're like making decisions that have impact on your life. Like you're making behavioral decisions that are being literally uh, influenced, if not completely dictated by like the, the, the microorganisms in that's your right. intestine like that's insane right so but when you think about that then you're like well if i eat differently then i'm going to crave different foods or my anxiety level will reduce and then that will, will impact how i interact socially with the people around me like the domino effect of that is unbelievable it's massive but anyway no, it's true. It, it is true. And, you know, you can bet that if you're operating on the microbiome produced by, you know, the American Twinkie and Hostess products versus, you know, eating living plants, you know, it's going to be a very, very different experience. And I think that's a lot of what we experience or we hear about the experiences of our lis- listeners and people who have gone plant-based and suddenly they're connecting with their hearts in a deeper way. They're open to meditation. Like their their actions are a lot more expanded and a lot more high vibrating than they were previously when they were eating the processed food and the meat. And, th- and that's another thing is just, you know, the violence and the energy of the animal products as you're taking that into your body. It's not nothing. It goes somewhere. There is some symbiotic, you know, or actual relationship between the food that you put in your mouth and when it goes into your body, you're having a very intimate relationship with that food. And I think 
almost all of us are completely disconnected by that. Completely. Well, how about the how about the idea that you're not even eating your food? The microorganisms are what's eating it. Mm-hmm. Wow, they're the ones who are digesting it for you. Mm-hmm. So you know you can go down the. It's a crazy rabbit hole. I'm telling you, if you read the microbiome solution, it'll like blow your mind. There's all this crazy stuff in there about that. But the point being that that uh, you know when I always say it, I say this when I give talks all the time, like. You know, adopting a plant-based diet didn't just, you know, repair my health. It, like, changed my consciousness. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the truth. And, and the microbiome is really a big part of the scientific explanation for that beyond the kind of, you know, metaphysical, you know, spiritual kind of ramifications of changing the vibration that you take in your body. But, it, you know, it's very real, I would say that. So, anyway, uh, you know, part of practicing gratitude is more than just what are you going to spontaneously do and say in in that moment, but what are your daily practices? What are you cultivating that will ultimately lead you to making more high-minded and better, you know, decisions and adopting practices that are going to serve you in the long run? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's powerful. Uh, and neutrality is big for Neutrality me. is huge. I mean, I think it's one of the, you know, one of the great, great, great awarenesses that we can start to embody is that is to understand that in neutrality, that is where we can access this connection with our deeper heart and our soul. And it's really this power of zero point of being beyond the pain and the pleasure, beyond the highs and the lows, beyond the judgment and the, you know, passion, if you want to call it, you know, just being, being very, very grounded and very connected to your breath and, that is truly the place of power and the place of living um, as a as a living example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. All right, you want to take a listener question? Sure. So this question is from Scott. I'm just going to leave it at Scott. Hey, Rich, I'm in a tough place right now. I have a great paying job in the blank field, I'm not going to say, that I'm very good at. I don't see myself doing this the rest of my life, though. I'm going to school in hopes of moving up in the blank field. I know it's great money, and I'll be able to provide for my wife and start having children if I just stick it out. I also know that doing something else would make me happier. I'm scared to give up a job with great money and benefits for a pipe dream, though. I know what I truly want to do. That's an important part of this. And I know it would be something I enjoy doing every single day. I wouldn't dread going to work every day. I wouldn't watch the clock waiting for the shift to end. What's your advice for someone who wants to change their life path like you did? I know it must be, it must have been hard to leave your career and pursue a health-related career. I think about it every day. I'm just too scared to throw away a great job in school for a career which requires debt and uncertainty. Um, To me, this is almost like a no-brainer. And I understand, you know, the fear and and the the, um, uncertainty and all of that. But, um, you know, it's like you don't get a do-over life. You know, you have one life. You have one you have one opportunity to pursue the thing that's going to make you happy. And had you said, you know, I don't really know what I want to do. I just know that I'm like not that happy doing what I'm doing right now, but it pays really well. That would be a different matter. But what you're saying here is you know what you truly want to do. So if that's true, if you really do know what you want to do and you know it would be something that you would enjoy doing every single day, then to me, that's a pretty strong indication that uh, that's something that you should pursue. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to quit your job tomorrow and do it, do this new thing full time. And I don't even know what the new thing is, but to the extent that there is a way to express that, um, you know, maybe in, in a small way at first and, and incrementally uh, over time, 
before you end up leaving your job or decelerating out of it, that's what I would suggest that you do. But, you know, simply simply because, you know, you're nervous and there's uncertainty about it, um, I think that implies that because you have a good paying job now that seems to have a, a, a clear track as to where you're going, that implies security and certainty. And the truth is there is no certainty in life. Just because that seems to be safe doesn't necessarily mean that in reality that's what the way that it will play out. Many, many things can happen. And I think that um, to you know, premise these massive decisions about how you're going to live your life um, you know, based on, on doing something that's, that's, that's less uncertain than the other maybe is not the best decision tree to focus on. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Meditation has been a recurring theme on this podcast, dating back to its beginnings. And in conversation always leads people to asking me about the best way to begin. There are no shortage of modalities, of resources and apps available. I have experience with many of them, but my mainstay, I have to say, the one that I have found most useful is waking up. It's this unique treasure trove of wisdom that has become so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, it's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try waking up for free. Plus, you'll save $30 on the in-app price. 
If price is a concern, Waking Up offers the app for free, astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com slash richroll to start your free month today. That's wakingup.com slash richroll. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You know, I also think that you can kind of uh, start to test the uh, universal uh, heart connection waters a little bit by um, starting to set up uh, some entry points into your new way of being, you know, starting to take some actions maybe on the weekend or maybe in the evenings to, you know, get the structure set up. So get the inf- inf- infrastructure set up, possibly website, you know, your contacts, the name, you know, any kind of copyright that needs to be done, all of this kind of stuff, get all of that set up and uh, maybe shift your spending habits now and start saving some money possibly mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of, you know, check it out and see how the energy feels. Like, how do you feel when you're in the process of setting up those new things or in the process of doing that thing that you know you're supposed to do? And then I would try to cultivate repeating that feeling as much as you can, because if you can be in the energy of expressing from your heart, from that thing that you love, it will amplify and it will magnetize more opportunities and more resources to you that will support you in making the transition. Now, you may experience some universal help in that you might get fired unexpectedly. <laughs> that would be like universal help or your company could fold or the the department could exist no longer and this big secure track that you've seen you know, ahead you know, you may be revealed that it's not actually what you thought it was, you know, or you may be called to make that decision at that point in the road. Like, you know, you may have to stand up and take responsibility and say, okay, I'm going to jump and this is the point that I'm going to jump. And, uh, you know, it can be any, any spectrum of experience after that. Um, you know, it might be, uh, some struggle and you might be tested and you know it's uh in our experience is, is definitely not not an easy landing all the time um but i think if you can focus on that feeling that you feel when you're doing the thing that you love um that will inform the rest of your decisions but never make a decision based out of fear okay so there's two two forces in the world there's fear and there's love and there's that's also it. different kinds of decisions the decision not to make a change is based on fear. That's a decision in its own right. Like a decision of inaction is still a decision. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, basic, like not making a decision based on fear, you know, he's, he's saying that he's scared to leave, right? So it seems like not making a decision to just stay is like to perpetuate the stasis of staying. But that's 
basically a uh, you know a, a decision based on fear, right? Exactly. It's a different kind of decision. Different kind of, exactly. So the other thing I would say is that, um, well, two things. The first thing is, is did I interrupt you? Are you still in no, the middle okay. of your thought? No, it's okay. I've Go lost ahead. my Sorry. thought now. Oh, you did. Sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? You could die. That's well, the worst thing. Let's just right. put it out there right now. Well, like I'm, that's that's <laughs> part of the second point that I'm going to get to. But in like realistically, like if you make this decision to go pursue this thing that 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 apparently really makes you happy, it's what you want to do, and would be something that you would enjoy every day. Um, I, I gather that there's some kind of price that you're going to have to pay for that. Well, what is that price? Like how bad you know? How bad could it potentially be? And just kind of camp out there. And see how that feels. Like, well, what would happen? Oh, I'd have to give up this or I'd give up that. It's probably a lot of material stuff. But if you get to wake up every single day and enjoy what you're doing, uh, my experience is that a lot of that other stuff doesn't really carry the meaning it does. Like, when you're working in a job that you don't like that pays really well, that stuff starts to take on meaning because those are the things that you're chasing to help you feel better about being in this situation that isn't really making you happy and you're kind of doing it for the money. Right then, like what car you drive and the clothes, whatever it is that you're into, that stuff starts to get heightened and 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 becomes much more important than it needs to be or should be. But when you're doing something that you really love and you look forward to get up in the morning and doing it, all that other stuff kind of like fades away and becomes not that important. Yeah. And the second thing is, is you know, it has to do with this idea of like of of the do-over life like you know we're like well i'll do that next time like i'm going to do the safe thing now i'll do the thing i really want to do like next when i have time. this other life no you know like we trick ourselves like and and behind that is this idea that we're not going to die or that if we do die like well that's just a temporary thing and then we're gonna we're gonna have this other opportunity <laughs> to like but, make the decisions that we're too afraid to make now but i don't really think most people live in this culture with the idea that they can do it next life i don't think that they believe in multiple lifetimes as as a you know as a mass I'm not saying that I'm saying there's a denial that death is going to happen. Though. Okay, right. You know, there's a denial. Like, well, exactly. Do, you know, I'll do that thing later. It's like no, your life is happening now. It's right. not some future event. You know, right. your your life is in session in this moment, and and you will die. We will all die, and the clock is ticking. So how are you maximizing this time to you know express what's most important to you? And you know, this is something that we're we're not encouraged to do and there is a lot of fear around it and I'm empathetic to that. I've been in that prison and that cage for many, many years. I know what that feels like. And there are a lot of, you know, real human experiences that are very scary and very, you know, full rife with suffering. So it's not mm -hmm. being disconnected by you know, disconnected from the human experience because the human experience is very intense and especially in this you know, world of polarity that we live in. So, but again, going back to as you examine your decisions and hopefully you do this in a meditative state, in a moment of quiet where you're alone and you can really connect with your breath and go into a deeper, deeper place of your consciousness, I would look at every decision and, and sort of inquire into every decision and really look from where is it arising? Is it is it arising from fear or is it arising from love? And I would use that as your tool of sort of maneuvering your way through the process and through deciding what you want to do. And the other thing that could happen in your life is uh, you could end up living like an amazing life. That could happen too. That could happen. Yeah. And, and I want to be, you know, sympathetic to somebody. I mean, Scott is a guy who looks like he's got options, right? And he's weighing those options. Uh, and And I think it's very kind of cavalier to just sort of cast off this inspirational like hey quit your job and ch you know chase your dream and all of that and it's you know it's 
that's not everyone's reality. Like if you're mm-hmm. stuck in you know a situation where uh, you know you're a single parent and you have a couple of kids and you know maybe you you don't have the education or what you're stuck in a job situation you're just trying to make it through the day. Like I think it's you know irresponsible to like tell somebody that they should just you know uh, you know cavalierly like cast that aside and chase some pipe dream. Like there are real world you know, constraints and concerns and, and, and responsibilities that, that come into play. So it's just not as, it's not as simple as that. I'm just focusing this on Scott's inquiry. Well, everybody and everybody's journey is completely unique. Everybody has completely unique circumstance, uh, karma, blueprint, and soul mission. So you have to really get in touch with you again. It's about getting in touch with you. And I mean, what I can feel from this email from Scott is that he happens to have a very expanded, actually very positive energy field around him. And so, you know, he probably knows exactly what to do and he'll probably be successful in you know, executing whatever he, whatever he chooses to do. And he honestly probably already knew the answer to this before he even sent the email. So Mm -hmm. that's the kind of the vibration and the feeling of the whole question. But again, getting back to yourself, that's why you can't look at another person and say, I'm going to live my life exactly the way that other person lives, because it's a different life form. It's a different blueprint. It's a different plan. So once again, we're brought back to the core of how do you know yourself in addition to eating a plant-based diet is meditation. Again, connecting in deeper with your heart's soul blueprint. Cool. All right, let's take another question. This one is from Dallas. I love Dallas. Dallas. So, hello. (laughs) I've been a lacto-vegetarian for the past 10 years or so. I have struggled with alcoholism, but have found that when I have gone vegan, that alcohol is not so much a problem. Do you know of any correlation between consuming animal products and alcoholism? And the answer to that question is a resounding no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can only speak to my experience uh, and what I've observed. Um, and you know, my I don't know of any I don't know of any correlation between consuming animal products and alcoholism. I would venture to say that there probably isn't one. Um, I think that the reason that I sort of selected this question to kind of talk about a little bit is because one thing that that alcoholics are really good at is kind of canvassing their environment and pointing their finger and you know blaming a certain scenario for their alcoholism, blaming sort of everything except the one thing that actually is is causing it, you know, or like, you know, in, in recovery, there's a joke. It's like, oh, the alcoholic will do everything except the really simple things that, that are kind of laid out. Like you can, hey, just do these, you know, I'm, I'm in 12 steps, so that's my path or whatever. But in, they'll say, you could do these 12 steps and you can have an amazing life, sober life where anything's possible. Or you can go back to drinking and suffer, you know, a miserable, lonely uh, existence and probably die or kill somebody else. Like, what's your choice? And the only, the only, the alcoholic is the only person will go, hold on, give me a minute. Like, I need to like think about that, you know. Uh, and and the alcoholic will kind of go, well, I I found the solution to my problem, and and that solution, when the alcoholic is coming up with it on their own, is usually not the good solution. It's usually not the one that's rooted in the the principles of, of recovery. It's always something else. It's like. Oh, uh, running or training for an Ironman, that's the solution to my alcoholism. Or, or if I just get rid of eating animal products in my diet, that will solve my problem. Or if I move from St. Louis to, uh, you know, to Dallas, 
uh, pardon the pun, like that will solve my problem. And none of these things are really getting at the root of what the problem is because it's a, it's a, you know, it's a spiritual and an emotional problem as much as it is a physical one. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, if you, you could, you know, that, that the way that I do it is the only way. There's many ways, and I have no judgment on any of that, but I can only speak to the way that this worked for me. And the truth is, is that when I get caught up in, in, in uh, you know, these ideas of, of other ways of, you know, sort of curing or resolving this problem for me, that's when I start to get into trouble. So I have learned to stop looking around for other reasons that, that you know, are, are other ways of solving my problem and just focusing on what I know works. That's interesting. It's good. Why? Will you disagree? No, I don't disagree. I don't yeah. really have experience with it like you do. I trust you, and I, you know, I, that was interesting to hear. Um, I also, you know, I, I trust Dallas's intuition and, and what they are feeling about their experience, and if they're yeah, noticing a correlation. Dimin- I, don't, I don't mean to diminish that No, of course, but I mean, I would trust your intuition, and, you know, you may be sensitively tapping into something, and so I, I definitely think eating a plant-based diet, I know from being the partner of an alcoholic who, recovering alcoholic who was eating a lot of processed foods and also meat that he had a dense a density or an energetic malaise that was covering him that I could not access who he was and when he started to eat plants when Rich started to eat plants and started to embrace this new lifestyle I did see this energy move so I do think that alcoholism feeds on the density of these food products that are not good. I think it feeds on coffee, and I think it feeds on sugar, on processed white food, and I think it feeds on meat products. I actually agree, would have to agree with you in that in that well, sense. Well, I, I think that that really the idea behind it is that you know the alcoholic will always seek out ways of medicating themselves you know once you take the drugs and the alcohol away they're still an alcoholic they still the drugs and the alcohol are the solution to the problem the problem is the sense of dis-ease or the the imbalance within the human being that seeks out the drugs and the alcohol to make them feel better right so you take away the drugs and alcohol you haven't solved the problem the problem is just there you've taken away actually the the cure you know for a long time so what is that getting supplanted with what is that getting replaced with and so, uh, you know, and a lot of a lot of people that struggle with addiction will will start, you know, eating gigantic amounts of sugar or smoking a lot of cigarettes or drinking a lot of coffee because all of these things are ways to medicate your emotional state, and that can be manifest through anything: shopping, gambling, you know, relationships, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and so, to harken back to what we said earlier in the podcast, you know, when I when I when I changed my diet to a plant based diet, it shifted my consciousness. That's true. Um, and so, and that's very real. And maybe that's what Dallas is experiencing on some level. Um, but I think it, you have to be careful to not say, well, this is the, this is the solution to my, my addiction problem also. You so, know? yeah. So this along with recovery and, you know, yeah. And it's an, and situation, not an, or situation. So, so both things, um, to be considered, but also just as we're here right now, I'm just interested if we bring this conversation back to Robin and back to her work in the microbiome. Did she talk to you about anything about addiction? What about the cravings of addiction being in the gut? Mm-hmm. What about that? We didn't we didn't get into that. I would love to explore I mean, that a little bit more with her. Yes. Um, I, I, there's no doubt 
that there is a component to that, especially like if you're used to eating those sorts of foods and you're populating your microbiome with the microorganisms that actually need those foods to survive. So, um, and, and, you know, obviously like alcohol is a, is a sugar and that's going to carry with it a certain kind of, you know, microbiotic population that comes along with that. But I think you need to discern and, and, and kind of separate the physical craving aspect of, of the disease of addiction with, you know, the underlying kind of emotional and, and spiritual kind of affliction mm-hmm. um, that is the definition of it, right? Those are two different things. So you have, a, you have the physical aspect of the cravings, and then there is the emotional and spiritual component of that as well. And those things work in tandem. So you can kind of do your best to alleviate the physical aspects of the craving, but if you're not treating the emotional state, um, the emotional can override, you know, and create that craving irrespective mm-hmm. of whatever your microbial ecology is. I mean, that's just my presumption right? Um, and my experience. Well, it'd be interesting so to it would be, hear yeah, you like, guys like, explore that yeah, more. I would, I would love to it'd have be, a conversation mm-hmm. with her purely focused on that. And no doubt there is a, there is a component there. I think it's super interesting stuff. Yeah. So we also talked about fecal transplants. That was amazing. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Okay, so going back to fecal transplants, yeah. I don't want to give everything away for the podcast because she's right. she's so so beautiful and such a smart, lovely, beautiful, energetic woman. She's just she's a wealth of information and very passionate about what she's doing, and she does it in such a a, a happy way. She's very happy about mm-hmm. the microbiome. But um, yeah, I w- I'm wondering because you know she was talking about doing fecal transplants where you know they actually take fecal matter out of like an obese person and put it inside you know a slim person and that person becomes obese and right, vice done, versa. Done, uh, yeah, they've done studies with mice with that where that yeah you take a you take the, the 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 microbes out of an obese mouse and you transplant them into a skinny mouse and the skinny mouse becomes obese. Like there's crazy stuff like that that goes on. So it's only natural to say, well, what would happen if you transplanted the micro, you know, microbiome of, of a non-addict of, of an addict or a non-addict vice into versa, right exactly into, into the other person? What would happen? What would that impact? That's be? interesting to know. Yeah. I thought she. I thought it ha- had actually been done with humans. I didn't hear the mice thing. I heard actually uh, well, it been done with done human sort beings. Of anecdotal, like a sort of in terms of like a peer-reviewed uh-huh. like hardcore oh, okay. study or whatever. Right, the, the mice thing. That's very there. cool. But anyway, hmm, interesting. So, did we answer that question? I'll be excited to hear more about that. Did we answer Dallas's question? We think? did. All right, we'll do one more. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media.
There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Um, this is kind of interesting. This is from Lisa. Uh, she, she, her question has to do with what she calls uh, the fundraising oxymoron. And I think you'll like this question. It's like <laughs> this idea that, uh, you know, we have all these sort of fundraisers to raise money and awareness around certain ailments and diseases and tragedies, et cetera. Um, but the methods for doing this are some sometimes kind of, uh, you know, in, inherently conflicting, right? So she raises the, a case in point is, the Komen Foundation, which I think is a, yeah, it's a breast cancer foundation, selling junk donuts to raise money uh, for a cure for breast cancer, you know, or uh, a fun run in her city that she's talking about against animal abuse that's giving away hot dogs at the at the fun run. Yes. You know, it's like weird stuff like that. The McDonald's, the Ronald McDonald House, you know, trying to promote health care, but serving food that puts children in, their, in the place that needs it. Uh, you know, you could take that all the way down to Girl Scout cookies, I suppose, right? Mm -hmm. But this this idea that that in order to get people interested in whatever it is your cause is, that we have to that the way to do that, the way to attract that, the way to kind of dangle the carrot is to is to do it with like all kinds of unhealthy food. Yeah, that's really that's quite interesting. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it at different, you know, heart foundation benefits where they serve like huge thick pieces of bloody steak. Yeah, and, I mean, Garth Davis is always yeah, talking I mean, about. It. So is Joel Kahn. They go to these conferences right. that are all about you know health or whatever. All these doctors are there, and they're serving them like the worst food ever. You know, or just look at what they serve you know patients in in hospitals. Like, this is just a huge problem that's cultural as much as anything else. And I think with respect to these. Um, you know, well-intentioned, of course, you know, uh, nonprofits, et cetera, that, you know, I'm sure at the bottom of it is a belief like, well, this is just what people want. You know, we, we need people to show up. Right. So they're just give them what they want. Well, they're just trying to get the money. So so it's solely focused on the money rather than looking at the entire organism as one whole energetic, which I think, you know, misses the mark in a huge way because you're missing an opportunity to expose people to, you know, healthier alternatives and, and things that actually can prevent these diseases or support people in healing. So, but it's kind of lazy, you know, it's just, it's that thing. Well, well, you know, no, you know, my uncle loves, you know, tri-tip. So that's what I mean. It's, I just think it's not even thought about. It's just, just about how many tickets can we make or what can we sell to make money? There's, there's obviously a disconnect between the method of fundraising and why they're fundraising, why mm -hmm. they're even there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this person's frustration has to do with kind of the stuff that happens at her kid's school as well, like where, you know, it's all about the junk food, right? Peddling the junk food around kids' school activities. And her question is, when or what will make society stop seeing junk food as a way to open our pocketbooks? And, you know, I don't, it's not like I have the miracle answer to that, but I think it, you know, it has to start with your own example in your own home, 
right? I mean, what else can you do? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and at birthday parties and, you know, as you as you venture out into the landscape of children's nutrition, children's right. food and what's available. And, you know, again, it's an opportunity to raise the bar and uh, to try to do better and try to raise awareness to those things. I mean, it compl- it's ridiculous. It makes no no common sense. It's not even it's not even logical, you know. I think it's just, it's, you know, it's not that they're not aware of it. They just think that if they don't do it, no one will come, right? So what's behind that? Well, if there's a fear or a sense that, you know, it's important to have those kinds of foods because that's what people want and that will, that will like improve their ability to actually, you know, raise the money that they're looking to raise. Well, it goes back to, you know, entertaining in your own house. Like in the early years, you know, you were like, you know, are you going to make chicken? Are you going to make, you know, meat? Because they eat meat. And I would, you know, I was like, no. I was like, no, as a matter of fact, I'm not. Like I would get, we were in the beginning stages of our plant-based adventure and friends would be coming over, um, you know, friends that, you know, oh, we'll come over for a barbecue. And I'd be like, well, you got to cook some, something that they like. I want them to feel comfortable. And you were like, no, they're in our house. They're going to eat what I want. And that made me initially very uncomfortable. We're very so upset. now I don't think about it. It's like, of course, mm-hmm. when you come to our house, you eat what we eat. There's no compromising on that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. That's just the deal. Um, and every, and you're such an amazing cook that, you know, it's people happily do it, but I know what that feels like, you know, mm-hmm. so you got to kind of take that journey on yourself. So, you know, I had a discomfort with that initially, and, and I'm sure that's the that's same a kind discomfort of discomfort of these, these companies. organizations right. have, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, but, but in truth, it, you know, the more that you can, you can, you know, it's like what Gene Bauer always says, like, how do you align your actions with your values? So if the values of your organization are, you know, Health. to cure breast cancer or cure pure pediatric cancer, whatever it is, you know, are the actions that you're taking to raise awareness and money and, and sort of, you know, you know, create a cure or whatever it is that your goal is, are those in alignment with the mission statement? And to the extent that there is a, there is like a even seemingly like harmless uh, lack of alignment. I think the more that you can bring that alignment in, you know, kind of, kind of dial in that alignment, then ultimately that is going to people know. You know, it's like it, it goes to authenticity. As right, well. it's, it's going like, to empower you and make you real? much more are successful. They, do, they, do they mean what they say? Exactly. Or do they just, you know, they just want some money? You know what I mean? Like, that's so. right. And I mean, a lot of those, a lot of charities too. Is it's, you know, it's the same, the same energy that inhabits the actress who wants to be famous is the same energy that inhabits, you know, a charity worker who wants everybody to know that they raised all this money for X X Y Z. So it's the same. It it looks different, but if you look at it more deeply, it's actually the same vibration. So again, it's about taking responsibility, being authentic, knowing what your, you know, what is your mission and, and expressing that in every area of your organization. So if you're not seeing it, I would gently and compassionately um, just bring it up and point it out. But I know that can be challenging sometimes. Yeah, I know. I think the the best thing to do though is just clean your own house. You know what I mean? How are your you know where where are their areas? Rather than pointing your finger and going, why aren't they doing it like the whatever? Just like point the finger at yourself and go, where are my actions and my values out of alignment, and how can I improve that? You know, and just be the living example. It's true. You know. Mm-hmm. So, all right. I think we did it. Is that it? That's uh, that's all it right. for today's uh, edition of. Ask me anything. How do you did feel? you ask me anything? I, I asked you something. Did you ask me anything? Like, I don't know. I don't did remember. I ask you anything? <laughs> yeah, I said, what do you think? <laughs> um, I hope you guys listened to the episode that just preceded this with Jeff Castellas. Uh, 
he is the guy behind the Pablo Foundation. Speaking of foundations and, and nonprofits, they do a great job at raising awareness and uh, and uh, finding a cure through research and programs that uh, that are helping uh, kids that are struggling with cancer. And they just started their Pablo across America. Uh, bicycle ride, which is a fundraiser that they do every year. This year, they're they're riding from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Uh, so check out that conversation; it's very heartfelt. Um, he's an amazing guy, and if you're interested in 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 what they're doing, go to poplove.org and you can learn more about them. It's very cool. Um, and uh, what else, man? I think uh, I think we did it. Um, if you are in the Los Angeles area, or your travels take you near here or through here you guys should definitely go check out uh, a restaurant that we're partnered with it's called Joy Cafe it's our organic plant-based and gluten-free eatery in Westlake Village Um, we partnered with Joy and Nick we're there every single day running this amazing cafe they do such an amazing job fueling and nourishing our community Mm -hmm. in an incredible way they've been open for a year now it's been they're just rocking really cool yeah they're amazing and super rocking they also just they have a new dish on their menu that actually they're changing their menu uh very soon but there's a new dish that i just had today and it's a spaghetti squash with lentil meatballs in the most amazing marinara sauce ever and it is one of their recipes, incredible, and uh, you you shouldn't miss it. So if you get a chance to go by, yeah, cool. Order that up. We uh, we eat there often, although we're going to be in Europe for a little bit, so we won't be there for the next couple of weeks. But um, when we're in town, uh, you can definitely find us there eating lunch or dinner couple nights a week, a couple days a week at least. Uh, we're also partnered with the Karma Baker, which is a vegan and gluten-free bakery also in Westlake Village. And uh, what's cool about these two businesses is that uh, it provides Julie and I uh, an opportunity to not only kind of spread our message globally, which we do through the books and the podcast, but locally as well, you know, to kind of be uh, part of, of shifting uh, awareness and consciousness and, and behavior hap- habits and patterns within our own community, which has been really, really cool. And definitely Celine and Eric, who are the owners of the Karma Baker, they're amazing artists and uh, they do amazing desserts. And uh, she's now branched out into gluten-free breads and uh, she's just, they're doing amazing stuff. So if you have a need for any birthday cake supplies or you want to try some amazing breads, um, check her out. All right, so I want to thank today's sponsors, Bonobos. Go to bonobos.com forward slash rich roll and get 20% off your first order. And also the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Go to myusatrainer.com for a free 14-day free trial of their fast and fun online program. Uh, hopefully we'll connect with some of you guys out in Frankfurt or in Boston and uh, keep sending in your questions for future Q&A podcasts to info at richroll.com and go to richroll.com for all your plant-powered nutritional needs. And we got online courses at mindbodygreen.com, the ultimate guide to plant-based nutrition and the art of living with purpose. Julie and I are looking at doing another course pretty soon. We'll talk to you uh, a little bit more. We're still formulating what exactly it's going to be, but we'll have announcements about that pretty soon. So Mm -hmm. thanks so much for supporting the show, for telling your friends, for sharing it on social media. Keep using the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. If you want to connect with Julie, the best place to do that is srimati.com, S-R-I-M-A-T-I.com, and she's killing it on Instagram right now with all these amazing uh, food photographs and recipes. So I would check that out as well, at Srimati there, and also at Srimati on Twitter. 
and her music, uh, yeah, which awesome. you can find on her website. And you're going to take us out with a song. I'm going to right? take us out today with a song I wrote uh, for you called My Man. I like that one. That might be my favorite. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because I'm a narcissist and it's about I never me. knew that. It is about you. It's another one about you. <laughs> yeah, right. You're my muse. All right, so cool. it's okay. All right. Until then, peace. Plants. Namaste. Underneath your pain I feel your song Beating my heart The image reflected in your Says it all. If this is an illusion, why can't I be deluded in you?
Take my